Uh, before I begin, I'll give a, a quick update on Brother Jack. Um, he um, fell. He, he sends his regards. He misses being here. But he fell and broke his hip because uh, he was, I caught him back there dancing, uh, and he was dancing. But he fell and broke his hip, and so he's going to be in the hospital for a while, and they're going to try to do some things. But he wanted everyone to know that he appreciates your prayers and calls and contacts that you've made with him. As we continue this morning in this series, um, I'm going to give just a few comments about how I approach how I'm approaching this. I think, for the most part, uh, in in church life, most everyone wants to hear just what what we used to call sugar sticks. In other words, you know, there's sermons that are we call them sugar sticks or candy sticks. They they fire people up. They sound good. They like them, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the scriptures aren't full of just what I call candy sticks or sugar sticks. There, there's the good and the bad, and as has been shown, the ugly. This morning, I'm going to um, go along that line. Now, our emphasis in our study has been Abraham. And the umbrella that I've been working on is under, under is um, you know, Abraham's faith, in spite of his frailties and flaws and failures, I think that what makes or what allows us to understand the role and what I would call the efficacy of our faith in relationship to God is when we see that, you know, like Abraham, we have frailties, we have flaws, and unfortunately we go through uh, failures. In this, it's necessary to point out, or at least uh, make note um, of the real deal or the actual occasions of things, and this is one morning that this is where I'm going to point out. You know, I said at the beginning of this series that it would not be one time that, that Abraham makes a mistake or, or will, you know, it won't just be a singular occasion, but we'll see it throughout, uh, you know, his, his life as it's recorded in the scriptures of his faith. And, and I think that that is one reason that God preserved this for us is to encourage us that in spite of who we are and how we are, if we take God at his word and we put our faith in him, he has promised that he would, as we saw last week, declare us righteous on the basis that, on the basis that we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in God's salvation. And, 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 and along that line, I find that I, it's still necessary for me, you know, uh, to, to bring out kind of the unsavory things, okay? So this morning, we're going to look at, uh, in chapter 16, the occasion where I believe that Abraham listened to the wrong voice. 
Now, last week, if you recall, in the last couple of weeks, we saw where God had made a, a covenant, a promise with Abraham that he was going to have a, a son and that his, uh, his descendants would be innumerable. And Abraham, it, the scriptures say, and Abraham believed God. He believed him. He took him at his word. But yet in this chapter, we find something very interesting, at least in, from my take of it. We find that, that with that knowledge that Abraham had, we find that later he ended up listening to a different voice, not God's voice, but to a different voice that actually resulted in what I, what I call a labyrinth of problems. So I, it's not so much a sermon or a pres prescription. I'm just going to describe what we find in this chapter. And hopefully the descriptions that we see will be able to identify or at least recognize certain aspects in our own lives. There are four characters that we'll be looking at uh, through the text, and then I'll conclude with a fifth character or a fifth set of characters. The first character is Abraham. The second one is Sarah, his wife. The third one is Hagar, uh, a servant girl, an Egyptian. And the fourth one is the Lord, the Lord himself. Now, here's what we, what we read in Genesis 16, 1 through 16, verse 1. Now, Sarah... Abraham's wife had borne him no children, yet she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded or listened to the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. Now, just a footnote here. This is before the law, and this is before we find, um, you know, what's right and what's wrong. As Paul described, the law is what lets us know uh, that, that this is wrong. Abraham here, we find, is going to take a, a second wife, all right? Later, we'll find in the scriptures that that's not, you know, acceptable, but here it was. Remember, he was 75 years old, and he came from a foreign, foreign land, and so it was probably not unusual. However, nor was it unusual, the problems that were just getting ready to happen. So Abraham uh, took uh, you know, Hagar, to be his wife, and after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. Now, here's the interesting thing I, that I see about, first of all, Abraham. Abraham knew the promise that God had made him. He knew what God had said, and in fact, the scriptures declare that Abraham believed God and took him at his word that he would give him a son. Yet we find different season, a different day, a different week, that for whatever reason, Abraham listened to another voice. Now, yes, it was his wife, Sarah, it was his wife, but 
Between Sarah and God, I can tell you whose voice is, is more justified to listen to, and that's God. And yet we find that he listened to Sarah. Now, the interesting thing about this is that even though Abraham knew the covenant, he knew what God had promised him previously, he knew and he had seen God's power to do the incredible thing. And in fact, in the New Testament, in Hebrews, that's exactly what it says, that Abraham had faith in God and believed that, it, that the impossible was possible. He believed it. Yet we find here Sarah giving her opinion. All right. Sarah, we know, was unhappy from that. And I, that's completely understandable. Uh, she was unhappy. Uh, and yet in her unhappiness, she came up with a way to fix this problem. All right. Now, that's where we ought to start identifying ourselves, because when we become impatient or when we uh, try to take matters into our own hands, we will end up doing things based on our own knowledge rather than divine providence or divine knowledge. And this is natural. I mean, it's human nature. I don't fault Sarah, as you might think I would or we should. No. I identify with Sarah that we make decisions and we do things when we become impatient with God's timing and God's ways and what God wants to accomplish. She was not having, she did not have children, and that was very important to Sarah, very, very important, and to Abraham also. Uh, but she made this decision, and Abraham conceded to it without ever asking the Lord. They just did this. And I won't call that lack of faith. I would almost say that it was an obscuring of their, of their faith. And sometimes I think we do that. We believe, we have faith in God. And I tell you, all of us here this morning, for the most part, I'd say 100%, we place our faith in God that we will end up in heaven. That's what we're hoping. We hope that when we die, that we'll hear, well done. We hope that God receives us into eternal paradise. But while we have that belief in place and we live according to that, we sometimes blink at the daily walk of our life and we don't take into account that our faith should not just be in regards to eternality, but our faith should be also to in our day-to-day -day walk for God. Because if he has the power to put us into eternity, he certainly has the power to get us to the end of the day in a good way. And yet we find here a flaw. We find a frailty. We find a weakness. And that weakness, human nature-wise, is that we tend to take matters into our own hands. We do end-arounds. We decide that we can fix something better than other people, and yet we do not seek the Lord. This was her best idea. Think about it. This was what she had come up with. Uh, she thought that this would be the best way for her to have children is to give her handmaiden to her husband to become a wife, and then she would have a child. What she did not and was not able to see was the unintended consequences of making decisions based on just your own thoughts 
rather than God thought. So remember what God said in Isaiah. I mentioned this last week. God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here we find that Abraham, a man of faith, he knew God's promise, he knew God's covenant, he believed in God, yet on this day, he listened to another voice. He blinked. We do the same. What she was not able to see was the unintended consequences that were going to take place, and likewise with us. You know, the scriptures talk about this, and I, 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 I don't know for sure why this was her uh, decision of choice. I, I don't know that. I mean, she wanted to resolve this, but every time I think about this, as I've thought about it, she wanted children for her own. And so we find that once again, like Abraham going down to Egypt, any time we think of only ourselves, we move away from God's wisdom rather than toward it. So, it's like uh, James wrote, uh, pastor of church of Jerusalem, if you have bitter envy in your heart, he says, and self-seeking in your hearts, he says, this wisdom, this kind of wisdom does not descend or come from above, but it's earthly. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing there is. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. What we're going to see here shortly, and it won't take me a long time to go through this because I think we all can identify with this. What we're going to see is this very thing. Because in their own wisdom, they made this decision. What resulted was envy. What was resulted was anger. What resulted was partiality. Everything was there. And had they, had they sought the Lord, the consequent would have been different. I'm convinced of that. But they didn't. Therefore, it wasn't. So what we find, Abraham then went to Hagar. She conceived. And when she did, all of a sudden, the unattended consequences begin to raise their ugly head. Sarah, then, as Hagar would look at Sarah, she, Hagar began to think, well, I can have children and she cannot. And the scriptures say she despised her. I, I keep coming back to something that Emerson said uh, regarding, regarding, you know, decisions we make. Sarah had no idea what was about to happen. She just thought she had solved it in a very beautiful way. And what Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, is everyone sees the mermaid's head and they fail to see the dragon's tail. And that's exactly the scenario here with Sarah. So here's what happened. She conceived, Hagar conceived. Uh, Sarah became very distraught, jealous, aggravated, angry to the point now we're going to hear what our conversation is. She then went to Abraham and she says, 
My wrong be upon you. It's on you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord's judge between you and me. So Abraham said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do as to her as you please. So then Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar, and Hagar decided to leave. Now, I find that, again, true to nature, true to human nature. She made a decision. She thought it was the best way. It didn't work out. Unintended consequences. So who can I throw under the bus? I'm going to go to Abraham and say, this is your fault. Now, there's some truth to that in a way. Now, I'm not convinced that Sarah yet knew the covenant unless Abraham had shared with Sarah. I'm not sure that Sarah knew the covenant that God had made with Abraham, but I do know this. I do know that that at that point, uh, even though it was her idea, it was her encouragement to take Hagar and to have a child through Hagar, when it didn't, when it began to not work out, all of a sudden, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't Sarah, it was Abraham's fault. And there's kind of true to a point, because Abraham should have known better. In what way? Well, he should have known that he was doing something that God had not given the okay for. And like I said, he listened to the wrong voice. He loved Sarah. We know that he lied for Sarah. We know that he wanted to uh, protect Sarah. But you know, the Lord taught us and encouraged us to understand that God must be first in our life before our moms and our dads, our wives, our husbands, our children. God. God must be first. Abraham knew that, but yet on this day he listened to another voice. What then happened was you had problems within that household, okay? You began to have like I say, jealousy, you begin to have uh, blame being thrown and cast, you begin to have contempt, all kinds of things. And remember, this was based on the best decision that both Sarah and Abraham had thought would bring about a good result, yet it did not. Why? Because that's wisdom of this world. And what the scriptures teach us as God's people, we don't seek nor follow nor recommend wisdom of this world. We seek, we recommend, and we follow the wisdom from above. Why? Because only the wisdom that God gives and direction and leadership that God gives, that, that's the only way that in our lives we can ever have peace, that we can have joy, and we can have clarity. Otherwise, we find nothing but dilemmas. And that's actually what this is, is a dilemma. Abraham was faced now with a dilemma. All right. He conceded. He listened to, to his wife's voice, Sarah's voice. He did what Sarah wanted him to do. And now he's got a dilemma. And the dilemma is this. If he doesn't do anything, it's unhappy. Sarah's unhappy. Hagar's unhappy. It, but to do something, Hagar's going to be unhappy. And we find that the Lord was not too happy either. All right. 
So here's what happened. We know that uh, Hagar left. She fled from the presence. So now we come to Hagar. When I was thinking about this, I thought, well, no, rightly so. She left. I mean, she was abused. She was misused. Uh, 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 She was, as some say, you know, she was an innocent casualty of other people's decisions. And unfortunately, that is part of human nature and human experience. There are many times we'll, we'll wake up before we go to sleep and we'll wonder, why is it that I'm a casualty or a victim of other people's decisions? Such is life. That is the way it is. And only God can resolve those kinds of dilemmas. Only God can. So we find that you know, uh, Hagar, she left, went out into uh, the wilderness, um, and was broken. Because it wasn't her idea. She didn't have the role. She didn't have the power or the authority to make what happened had happened. She just simply was just trusting Abraham and Sarah. Now she's in the wilderness. What's interesting is now we see the Lord. So we've seen Abraham. He should have known better. We've seen Sarah. She wanted her what she wanted. And Hagar, she's in a way an innocent bystander in this thing. But then now we see the Lord. The scriptures say the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, well, I'm, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude." And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, you shall bear a son, you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. That's what I want us to pick up on Hagar. Hagar felt that she was all alone, and in her own mind she was. Uh, Where she had lived, where she had served, where she had security, where she had benefits obviously was now gone and now she's in the wilderness but yet even though she was probably crying to herself the Lord heard her affliction not her prayer her affliction that's interesting interesting choice of word here we find that Hagar was about to make, a very, in, in my opinion, a very serious mistake. She was getting ready to go back to Egypt. Now, if she had gone back to Egypt, she would have gone back to where the country was steeped in idol worship. At least in Abraham and, and Sarah's home, they believed in God. They believed in Jehovah. And they, they worshiped and they followed and they believed. But had she gone back to Egypt, she would have uh, found herself once again back that way. And here's the thing. The Lord heard her affliction, her agony, her unknowing, her uncertainty. 
And when I was going through the wordage and verbiage of this and everything, my mind kept coming back to the Lord when he talked about the lost sheep. How many of you, he said, even though you have 99 sheep in your fold, that if you have one lost, you go out and you look until you find that one. The Lord heard her affliction. And because of that, we find that she went back. And yes, it did come about. She did have a child. His name was Ishmael, which I won't go into a lot now, but perhaps later. But here's what I find interesting with Hagar. They told the angel, or the angel of the Lord, said, Your child will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. She, she called him that. You are the God who sees. She said, have I also seen him who sees me? It struck her that in the middle of a wilderness, by herself, being a, a victim of circumstance, that God saw her. And from that, our human nature should learn a great lesson. In the midst of our lives, understand God sees who we are in every aspect of our life. So Hagar bore Abram a son. Abraham named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. She admired the Lord's mercy. She, she honored him. She never forgot that. And so that brings me then to the fifth set of characters in this study this morning. Who is the fifth set? It's us. We're the fifth set. As for us today, as I've been mentioning throughout this series, our frailties that we all have can cripple our faith. Our flaws that we all have can obscure sometimes our faith. And interestingly enough, if we let our frailties and flaws become the voice we listen to, then failure is always in the wings and we will stumble in our faith. So for us today, what can we learn? Well, from Abraham, my first thought was he had sown to the wind and he was reaping the whirlwind. You know, he thought, I'm sure, well, I'll just do what my wife says and everything will be all right. And he learned that is not right. Nothing against wives. He was at fault. He knew what God had promised. Secondly, Sarah, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Sarah should have sought the Lord and he would have resolved that dilemma for Sarah. Hagar, what can we learn from Hagar for us today? God hears our affliction. It's like the psalmist wrote, David wrote, he said, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him, 
But when he cried to him, God hears. So that's what we learned from, from, um, from Hagar. And I think that, again, for our human nature and the lives that we live, it's so important. But now, what can we learn from the Lord? The Lord came in, and I'd like to say it this way. The Lord came in, visited Hagar, and began picking up the pieces of the mess that had just happened. Today, the Lord will do the same thing in our lives. We make messes of things, but the Lord hears our affliction, and he will begin picking up the pieces. That's why James wrote his, let me read this in James. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So for us today, what can we learn from the Lord's visit to Hagar? We need to ask the Lord for wisdom when we have problems or dilemmas that we don't know the answers. We just ask him. But let's go ahead and read what James says, because he says something very interesting. But let him ask in faith, no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And do not let that person suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. If we ask the Lord for wisdom, when we get it, we take it, we follow it, and we do not neglect it. So finally this morning for us today, and as was mentioned in the prayer, what the writer of Proverbs says in this is closing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, every day, every dilemma, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, and it will be health to your body and strength to your soul. So this morning, what's the upshot? Let's not listen to the wrong voices in our lives, our daily lives. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time that you give us to come and share, ponder and think of your words. And then we're thankful for your Holy Spirit that then applies them to our heart, teaches us and instructs us in what you consider to be righteous and a righteous life. I pray today, Lord, if there's anyone here who has dilemmas, they would seek you. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone that feels in the wilderness, I pray that they would seek you, call upon you. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone who's trying to solve problems they don't have the answer, may they seek your wisdom. And I'll give you thanks for that in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Sing a verse of this hymn. It's a good hymn. If you have a need in your life, I want you to understand. You can come to an altar, this altar, kneel down, 
before your God and pray, and He will hear you. He'll hear you in your pew, but sometimes it's just good to kneel down before the Lord. So as we sing, if you'd like to come, please come. There'll be others who I'm sure will come with you. Well, what page, Ed? 437, as we sing, we'll sing one verse unless someone would like to come this morning. Take up my cross and follow me. I Would you like to come this morning? You can kneel here and pray. 